I got here, sous chef Mike Scoward. He started cooking at 11 years old with his parents in the kitchen doing simple tasks like peeling potatoes and stirring the pasta. Uh, he was accepted into Johnson & Wales University in uh, 2012 for culinary arts back then. It was Graduated in uh, 2016. He done an internship with the Atlanta Braves in 2015 that then propelled his career into professional sports. After he graduated, he was offered to move out to Arizona to cook for the Chicago Cubs in 2016. Uh, he won a, his team won a MLB World Series that broke the 108-year curse. We got to talk about that. I was uh he was then offered sous chef uh for the Boston Red Sox in 2017. Uh it was his absolute dream of working for that team, being that's his hometown, and the whole team was considered his idols. Uh the Boston Red Sox has won a MLB World Series, and therefore uh Chef Mike actually captured the second ring with the team. And he built Red Sox for four seasons and six total in MLB as a whole. Um, he feels though it's a dream to wake up to do something like cook for, for the Boston Red Sox team. His goal is to continue to work for professional teams and other sports and win a championship with them to become the first graduate to have a ring in two sports or more. He also wants to do private chef events for the players, professional players outside of the seasons and create a brand in that manner. Chef, welcome to Yes Chef Podcast. Thank you, Chef Prime. I appreciate you having me here. Hey, yeah, man. So, so how you how you feel? Everything is is uh is good for you. This past season was a little tough with uh the whole COVID restrictions and all that kind of stuff. But uh, other than that, yeah, yeah. Here. I mean, how has how, so? How has the uh the COVID um you know COVID nineteen affect you know the team? affect your ability to cook possibly or to get the ingredients to come in uh for you to cook for the team so how what was the impact on yeah. on yourself from COVID-19 yeah so typically we serve uh right straight from the uh clubhouse kitchen um so it's more of like a buffet style kind of kind of situation um this year it was more about to goes and like kind of how to how to box it up how to make sure everyone's getting their veggies in how to make sure they're getting their starch in their protein in all that kind of like nutritional aspect to it um and like a little bit more about uh kind of just like how it was served it was we we had to serve it without technically serving it to people if that makes sense by uh we had a tier system okay. of tier one two and three between the players and just normal, like everyday, like game day staff. Um, so we technically couldn't have quote unquote one-on-one -on -one interaction with the players. So that was a big challenge about how to make sure 
player X got their got enough protein in their system, got enough fat in their system, stuff like that that you have to worry about having um, Other than that, though, it wasn't too too different. Our, our receiving end was a little bit different, where we had to like meet the sliders at the street rather than have them meet us inside of actual Fenway, drop off our food. Yeah, so that was a little more like kind of a time management wise where we had to just make sure quote unquote somebody worked working on somebody somebody else could go ahead and get that product that was getting outstanding so when you say that you had to serve them without serving them was that more like you and your the the chefs that's under you had to create all these meals package it up and then put it in a to-go bag style for the players to just come, walk up to the line, grab your bags, and go? Exactly. So it was, like, uh, it was more and, like, here you go, don't ask questions, kind of walk, walk away, so to say. Um, obviously, we took into consideration of dietitian or dietary restrictions. Somebody was allergic to something, we made sure to take care of them. Um, but typically, it was just... All the restrictions this year was really like, hey, here you go, here's your lasagna, here's your chicken farm, whatever, whatever it might have been, and it was like, here you go, see you later, just to just to minimize any contact or anything like that now, between the players and myself. Now, would you say that COVID had a huge impact on a team morale, their performance, possibly? Yes, a hundred percent. In my in my opinion, sorry, I'm, I'm just moving rooms real quick. Um, no, a hundred a hundred percent. In my opinion, the the COVID uh, restrictions almost almost killed the team morale. To be a hundred percent honest, from um, from what I've experienced for championship teams, the the distancing and the the isolation was just is a lot kind of a big factor this year got you now start and like uh, let's take it to start as far as a professional chef in the eating industry how did you get your start where did your influence come from you wanting to get into the culinary industry and become a professional operator at that point? Sure. Um, so pretty much, like I said in my bio, I started doing the peeled potatoes, dishwashing, the typical startup of any chef, um, right right at home with grandma, grandpa, dad, mom, whoever it might have been. Um, and then from there, it just started off as like uh, dishwashing jobs, stuff like that to make a, a quick, quick couple bucks. Um, and then I ended up actually going to a uh, vota uh, vocational school um, where I did culinary arts with a bunch of my friends. Um, and I think just being around my buddies. What was the name of the vocational? It was uh, the um, Pioneer Valley Career Tech over in West Springfield, Massachusetts, um, where I, okay. Jim Nolan just made, made me and all my buddies absolutely fall in love with culinary. And I think being at that age group, being around my buddies at that time, just really made me fall in love with it. 
Um, and then obviously it's a huge, it's a huge point to be able to tell a girl that you could cook her a nice meal at that kind of an age and, uh, uh, kind of polish up first date with her or something like that. If you're going to cook her up, cook her up a nice meal. Yeah. That's incredible. So, So, yeah. What was that that defining point? Got you. So what was that defining point where you was in Johnson and Wells and you said, okay, next time to get into the team or the professional sports staff, what was it, uh, the opportunity? Did it come from a person or did you uh, look around and got that opportunity? So what was that bridge between you know, the tail end student at Johnson Wells to now I'm on the team and I'm ready to go. For sure. Um, it actually came from a uh, ex-girlfriend who kind of was looking at some programs with me and stuff like that. And was like, hey, like, what about nutrition? And I was like, ah, you know, like, I'm a big workout guy. Like, I love working out. I love sports. I love cooking, blah, 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 blah. And then it was like, holy, holy crap. Like, I can, I can actually put the two together and be a chef for a sports team. Um, so randomly, you know, you know the process mm. for Wales internships. You're kind of looking at the work page and stuff like that, seeing oh. what opportunities you can kind of look at. Um, and honestly, the Braves, mm. the Braves kind of just came across my desk. And uh, luckily, Chris Drumheller was uh, lucky enough to pick me as his internship. Um, and from there. I got to meet Johnny Gomes, uh, Jason Grilly, uh, uh, Kim Kimbrell, uh, a couple other just like vet veteran guys for MLB. And it kind of was like, whoa, like I can really cook for these dudes, have a personal relationship with them and like make an actual big impact on their on their day to day activities, especially through games. I've had numbers of opportunities where guys have been like, hey that hamburger you cooked me or that posse you cooked me, like pushed me through that night. Um, and, and in my opinion, I drove them to get those home runs or I drove them to get those hits. So I, I give myself a li- probably a little more pat on the back than I probably should. Um, but I, I definitely give myself credit for a lot of home runs that were hit off of my food. Incredible. So, was, was it a hard selection to get placed on the the team on the, any team uh as a as a uh, a chef because I'd imagine that you know MLB like all the professional sport leagues have uh, a back people that want as you know to want to work on a team as a chef I don't think exactly. it's just like a simple process so explain yeah. to the viewers what was your process from the initial application to walk everybody through the steps to the point where you got hired and they give you your chef whites with the, you know, the team uh, logo on it. For sure. Um, So, I mean, biggest thing I could tell any of the viewers right now is connection is your, your network or your networking while you're younger is probably the absolute most important thing you could work on on anything besides your skills. Um, I got very lucky in becoming the first intern with the Braves. And from there, I was able to just branch 
and a- any person I got my hands on, so to say, I made sure they knew my name. I made sure they had my number. I made sure they had my email address for just absolutely anything, anything under the world that they could absolutely ask for. And then uh, once once graduation time came around, I ended up reaching out to the people that I let, that I connected with during those years. And uh, luckily, they they knew people that needed some work. Mm. Um, so I had to make a big jump into moving out to Arizona from Massachusetts to go work with the Chicago Cubs. Um, and that, that was probably my biggest step as a chef was to make that big nation nationwide gap, so to say, um, where I moved into a place where I didn't know anybody. Um, all I had really was my skills behind my back and a degree from Johnson and Wales, um, and just, just confidence, you know what I mean? Just, just absolute confidence. I knew what I was doing was right. Uh, not, not maybe that I could change somebody's game, game day approach, but I had that confidence that I knew I could make a difference in the food that they were eating. Um, and, and luckily it turned out to where actually when I moved out to Arizona, I promised my mom that I wouldn't come back to Boston unless I was working for a Boston team. And luckily I was able to work hard enough to yeah. have the Red Sox recognize my hard work with the Chicago Cubs and uh, was able to come back home to my home team. That's how you do it. That's how you kill it. Now, do you think Johnson and Wells had any on uh, your success? Because yeah. Johnson and Wells in the hospitality industry is a huge name. It ring bells. So is it just your hard work that got you into the team? Or was it a combination of your hard work and, hey, I got Johnson and Wells behind me. You know, I'm, I'm trained from the school and outside, yeah. you know. so. What would you say the 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 difference is? Um, hundred percent. I mean, in my opinion, I love I love Johnson and Wales. I love the people I met. I love everything I did with them. Um, you're gonna you're gonna learn more skills in hands on activity. hundred percent. I don't know if there's anybody who went to culinary school that can really argue that. You're gonna learn a lot of great stuff from a lot mm-hmm. of great chefs from culinary schools. 100. Nothing, nothing taken away from Johnson Wales at all. Um, but obviously, the skills and the confidence you you gain from being in in a restaurant when you're when your butt is to the wall when you're when you're getting grinded on. Um, but at the same, breach. The, <laughs> the only way my name was known in sports was because of Johnson and Wales, in my opinion, where my internship director mm. was from the culinary nutrition programs only a couple of years above me. So, I mean, without having that Johnson and Wales nutrition behind my name, I don't think I would have been noticed regardless of how hard I work, regardless of what I can do in the kitchen. If I didn't have well. Johnson backing me up, I don't think I'd w- I would be where I am today, hundred percent. Yep, that is that is correct. And I try to tell a lot of people about you know furthering your education, so it's not so much about uh, walking across the stage with a degree. The, the main point is, you know, it, it has to be a of 
your your hard work plus education in the sense that you know on a corporate side of the house not talking about entrepreneurship but uh schools matter you know uh the higher the school that you go to the 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 higher caliber of brandability that come from the school name yeah will open up a lot more doors before you can Thousands. and then once you go through that door then everything else is relied upon your past experience yep. and your current experience right yep because I, I can also attest so it, it has to be it has to be that that combination exactly i was gonna say i can attest to i've worked with chefs that blow me out of the water you know what i mean like dudes that don't have mm -hmm. any kind of culinary training from schooling or anything that are just brilliant minds brilliant workers absolutely just blow you out of the water but at the same time they don't have any kind of background to them they don't have that degree behind them that would get them to that next step um so i think it, it, it's tough because of the whole tuition and all the money and that goes into it 100 percent. I, I get that kind of aspect to it but i think any young chef watching this or young chef looking to get into sports needs to have that kind of schooling behind them because it's only going to make it easier for you to get hired. If you have the skills and you have the motivation and determination, you're going to get hired and you're going to get noticed, but your, your big factor is not going to have that degree behind your name. hundred percent. Right. So what are some of the things that you and your staff is working on now uh, with the Boston Red Sox, any kind of new, uh, I guess, cuisines that you found that's more beneficial than before that you can present to the team, new systems in place that will make your whole production a lot easier? Yeah. So we're uh, we're trying we're trying to come up. Uh, I mean, we kind of have it constructed, but we're trying to come up with a, a red or a, a stop light system. So for our higher weight, mm. higher watch players they're going to be at the red light where you're not going to have as a lot of fat you're not going to have a lot of like extra things in your meals that maybe somebody else might have um then we come down to the yellow light players who can have a little bit of this have a little bit of that and know that they're going to work out enough to burn that extra fat or burn those extra calories that we're giving them or whatever whatever the case may be um and then obviously green light is having full free range of whatever we put out there. So if we're having those like prime rib nights, obviously we're not going to be too concerned about you having a little, excuse me, a little bit extra of a fatty piece rather than somebody who might be <laughs> a bit higher weight that we're kind of not, not necessarily worried about, but we just want to, we want to tighten it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it yes so uh, so it seems like you know players when they get on you know they, they work out they do what they have to do to get selected for the team but it seems like they kind of like fall back like the longer they're in the league their their workout ethics does it do you see that it actually drops for them to pick up that kind of weight and to be placed into that red light category for sure i see i what don't you're think saying. that you know uh, you will actually come on a team 
Yeah, so we we kind of get that from our strength and conditioning coaches where they think a player is maybe a little bit overweight than what they wanted to them what they wanted them to be coming into a certain period of the season whether it be uh, off season to preseason to midseason to postseason whatever whatever the actual case may be um and it kind of we all got to kind of come together because not everybody has that culinary mind of, Hey, this guy is five pounds overweight. What can we do for him? Like, all right, he can only eat the brown rice and the chicken. It's like, no, like he can clearly have the the flavorful meals that we we're still providing, but we just have to watch his portion control. Um, maybe, maybe have him have a protein shake rather than, a smoothie or something like that, that might be a little more fatty because of the ice, the avocados and all the the, the little extra stuff that we might add into. It might add that little bit of extra fat. Um, But I think it kind of comes down more to um, just, just the person like person uh, identity uh, to person. I'm sorry, like person to person uh, case by case. Um, Cause you, you have the veterans that, have been around for 15, 20 years that like just want to do what they've done to get the job done rather than the newbie who's 20 years old, who's fresh out of a nutrition book and only wants kale salad and quinoa and this and this and that. So, I mean, you definitely got the uh, variation between the players and then um, their background too has a big impact on it. Like, especially with the Latin, Dominican, Mexican players. Um, they're obviously more accustomed to certain meals and certain styles of how it's cooked. Um, so we have to take that into consideration to make sure that they're still hitting all those flavor points of a, a true uh, grandma Mexican dish or a grandma Latino dish mm. or whatever the uh, nationality might be. So, so it's safe to say that you and your team customized actual meals so it's not like a, a standardized restaurant style where everything is like the menu is already preloaded so this is like an open menu in a sense then right for the most part so since you I mean, got we we try to keep to like a buffet style sort of i mean as best we can with certain restrictions and whatever else is going on in the world at that time um but we'll make sure to have like a, a specific Latin dish where the Latin players will, will, will get a little pat on their back. And I mean, obviously, if they want something that we can make to order, we make to order. Um, but for the most part, we try to we try to hit on the good like Italian dishes. We try to hit on the good Asian dishes, the American uh, classic dishes or whatever you want to call it. Um, we, we, we try our best to uh, customize to every single player. Um, but obviously, you know, with prep work and everything else that goes into prepping out certain dishes, you kind of have to limit it to certain things just so that you don't, you don't screw yourself over at the end of the day and make yourself look bad to the players. Mm. That's crazy. So what kind of, what kind of influence does the team have on your staff in regards of hiring, you know, uh, specific chefs to be on a team? Is there any influence at all, or is it just coming from you and your uh, executive chef? So as an example, 
if you if you have like eight players that say, hey, I don't like this the way that the chef is cooking, do they have the influence on on who stays in the culinary team, or is it just you and, and your executive chef? Um, well, that could uh, word or the last word, so to say, about the culinary aspect. I can only do so much. I can only provide so much. Um, obviously, if the players don't like it, I'm not going to stick around much. Um, but, I mean, in my opinion, you're cooking for five-year-olds. So, it's kind of, it's kind of tough uh, for certain things to for you to for you to your flavors. You know what I mean? You gotta hide some of the vegetables in in your yeah. lasagna. You gotta use those spinach sheets rather than the pasta sheets. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're just trying to make these guys happy. Um, we, we'll we'll take whatever we can, whatever orders, whatever requests we have from these guys, and we'll go ahead and use our nutritional backgrounds and nutritional brains to go ahead and make sure that this is healthy that this is going to give them that peak uh, performance kind of quality of food. Got it. Got it. So what are you, are you really planning on staying like the 20 years or more long stretch with uh, the Boston Red Sox? Or do you have uh, another team, another sports league like basketball, of football that you may be considering after a certain threshold of being on the uh, the Boston Red Sox? For sure. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Boston fan, Boston kid at heart. Um, so, I mean, any anytime I would get to, a chance to work with uh, the Patriots, the Celtics, the Bruins, I'd, uh, I'd 100% be way, way too amped up about. Um, I'm a huge hockey guy, um, so anything to do with the Bruins or really, really any NHL team, I would, I would be all about. Um, that that's that's my bread and butter, so to say. Um, but really, other than that, um, I got a good couple buddies that are um, are chefs with other teams. Shout out to my buddy Tyler, who's the head chef for the Colorado Rockies. Um, my buddy Steve McAfee, who is my absolute best friend in college, who is the head chef for the Memphis Grizzlies, Grizzlies right now. I'm sorry. Um, my other friend, Noel, worked with the Philadelphia Eagles at the time that they won the Super Bowl. Um, so I got a, I got a really good right. group of friends. We have a really strong sports kind of collective um, group, if you sort of, if you want to say. Um, a lot of hardworking dudes, a lot of hardworking chicks. Um, all of us just want to win that championship, obviously. Um, but I mean, other than that, yeah, I, I'm blessed and honored to be with these guys that I've looked up to my whole entire life. Pedroia, David Ortiz, um, Chris Sale, all these other big time Boston Reds guys. Um, absolute honor to meet them, to cook for them, to have the conversations with them that I've had. Um, but honestly, I, I would love to get, like I said, we get with another team, um, let it be another MLB team, let it be an NHL team, let it be an NFL team. And just, I, I want championships. 
uh, I'm LeBron. I want I want three, four, five, six, seven different uh, championships as many as I can, <laughs> um, and just 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 keep that energy because like being on the uh, parades for the 2018 World Series was just absolutely mind blowing, and like those kind of moments and those kind of highs have just absolutely been just unreal to me let alone just be a, a Boston kid at heart. Um, the, those are the moments I live for. Those are the moments I cook for. And uh, in retrospect, like some of the players will come up to you afterwards and let's say like it's a breakfast day and you go ahead and cook them their skillet or their, their omelet that they just love, that their mom used to cook them all their life. And they go out and hit two or three home runs and they come back up and, and credit you for that is just by far the greatest thing uh, mm. for me to have. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see how that's intoxicating. It's so just that feeling, just like coming Run. back, like, I, I hit these shots for you, Chef. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Damn. You Lots can't come of off that high, man. And I, I'm Damn. still on. I love it. So... I, I I see, man. So, like, when you were talking about they did the parade, was you, like, on one of those floats that, that was driving in the middle of the, uh, the streets? So, luckily, luckily, I was on a float with uh, Dustin Pedroia, Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew Benatendi, and uh, one, I think one other player off the top of my head. I can't remember. But uh, it was... It was by far the most surreal moment of my life where actually one of my one of my best friends from uh, high school and my hometown was actually in the crowd and out of nowhere it was like pure 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 magic where I just heard him screaming my name jumping up and down screaming up his arms and uh, just me and him at that moment between each other of like in that in the Boston parade me and him were celebrating while I was on a flow and he was cheering in the crowd. It was absolutely unreal. I can, I can never put that really into words, how that felt hearing my name scream through the crowds and know that it was one of my best friends kind of a thing. Mm. It was absolutely unreal. Wow. Now, how long, like, is it, is it hard? Like once you're in on a ground level, um, as a regular cook working a line, uh, is it hard in the sports side to climb up the ropes? Because you're a sous chef, so you're like second in command. So, yeah. on a how long would it take to from like a, a regular line cook to to where you at to executive chef? Is it just as long as restaurants, hotels, and other establishments? Yeah, I would. I'd have to agree with that. Um, luckily, luckily, I was kept on. Um, so it was originally it was just me and one other guy, one another chef, JJ Glode, um, where we were cooking all the meals for the players, all the meals for the staff, all that kind of stuff. And um, luckily, I was I was kept on when we had a clean clean sweep through the kitchen program. Um, and it, it it really is you you have to you have to bite your tongue. You have to grind. You have to you have to work those elbows into the ground, um, where you might see some people get a get a job above you before you get that bump up. 
uh, just like you said, and as a line cook, as a prep cook, um, to get to that sous chef, to get to that executive chef job. Um, unfortunately, with sports and sports cooking, you have to have more degrees and more mm-hmm. certifications behind your name to really climb up, so to say. Um, the only reason I was really not promoted to head chef so far was because I don't have my registered dietitian degree behind my back. Um, Hmm. for, for schooling wise, that's really the only obstacle that I have to overcome to get higher up, so to say. Um, so, but other than that, Hmm. it, it takes a lot of rubbing the right elbows, um, biting your tongue at the right times and just, just doing what you know you're supposed to do at the right times for certain people. Um, Cause obviously if you, if you rub somebody wrong anywhere in any industry, you're probably, you might get fired. Um, so it takes a lot of uh, grit and grind to bite your tongue at certain, certain and right moments, but also stand your ground when you know something's wrong. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in standing up for what you believe in. I mean, if you see a chef doing something that you know they're not supposed to, like put your foot down, say something regardless if it's going to cost you your job or not. At the end of the day, we're all chefs. We're all trying to keep people safe with the food that we serve them. If you know you're going to serve something unhealthy, then take that extra five minutes to re- refire it, re- make sure that it's actually perfect for that person. Don't Don't cut the corners when it comes to safety. Um, you're, you're too quick and you're too fast to kill somebody, uh, especially with food. Um, and especially at this high of nutritional value, you, you gotta make sure you're up to par or you're gonna, you're gonna put somebody in a bad, bad case or bad situation. Wow. Now let's, let's talk about you moving forward with, uh, catering. Yeah. So you 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 at some point want to get into your own like uh private or personal chef catering style uh business, right? Yeah. So what does yeah. that look like for you? Like what uh, kind of, what yeah. kind of plans do you have? Are you just going to stick with professional players, athletes? Um so pretty much like a couple of my buddies have been able to do it from their uh team uh, cooking where they're able to use those players to create a client base uh, to do these private chef uh, gigs, so to say. Um, so ideally it'd be, mm-hmm. it'd be awesome to, to work for these guys during the season, during the off season, really all, all time, all year round um, just to do like, obviously like wedding events, uh, cookouts, um, retirement parties, really A to to Z through whatever else you can really, really come up with for parties. Um, It'd be more about just like having my name known throughout players and throughout different organizations and different sports um, to be like, hey, this is the dude to go to to have like a catered event for. Uh, He's going to he's going to knock it out. He's going to hit a home run every single time. Uh, that'd be ideally where I'm going with it. Um, I, I, I would love to do it for my family, do it for friends, do it for family members, all that kind of stuff um, where I'm doing the holiday events and little stuff like that, that we all grown up about doing for our families and friends and stuff like that. 
Um, but ideally I would love to just do strictly uh, professional players um, having the off season, making sure they're, they're up to uh, peak performance uh, with their cooking aspect and all that kind of stuff. If that answers the question. Oh, very accurately. And thank you too. Well, I see. So do you have like a, a date where you're planning on actually doing that? Or is that something you're doing now on the side on off season? Uh, I'm slowly, slowly getting into it during the off season. I've had a couple opportunities to have it happen, but uh, unfortunately they felt they didn't fall through. Um, so, I mean, right now I'm out six years uh, in the MLB cooking for the team. So, I want to probably hit like a 10 year mark of cooking for teams and then probably venture off into something different. Um, obviously depending on the situation, if, if I got a good gig going for me for a certain team and I got a good team underneath me that I can kind of ride it out, I'll probably go a little bit longer. Um, so maybe, maybe not so, so necessarily a time frame where I, I want that to happen. Just, kind of kind of something I'm looking forward to in the the future. I'm a huge chef about CBD and THC cooking and all that kind of aspect too, so I would love maybe potentially something to go kind of towards that field. Um so I'm kind of more open to what what could come, what could come up in the next couple of years and just kind of keep my keep my availability uh open. Okay, and what is and and this is a question for me now because you sparked another uh, interest. So, yeah. uh, I want to get into the CBD part through different sauces, hot sauces, regular sauces, and stuff, right? Uh, actually, more hot sauces. But um, so since you have a more firmer understanding about CBD and its usage and correct dosage you know yeah. per per i guess uh yeah. food item i definitely want to uh link up with you and and really start to pick your brain about you know for in a five ounce five of uh, fluent ounce bottle you don't want over cbd can i put in it because <laughs> yeah because if, if it was up to me i feel like, like a third of that shit with cbd oil and the other you know, you want to put on the other parts I, with fucking sauce <laughs> kill everybody that, that eats. You're gonna be dope. So, so I just after, after this bottle, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Numb from the neck down. That's all that matters. Um, no, like my my big thing is that. Yeah. I think I think CBD THC kind of cooking is uh is definitely a big future for certain culinary aspects and certain culinary yes. kind of situations. Um, where I think I, I really think it's gonna help a lot of people medically. I think it's gonna help a lot of people with mental mental stuff, especially after this uh, pandemic. I think mental health is a big issue that we need to we need to focus on afterwards and i think even just a little bit of cooking with thc might might help a lot of people um and if and if there's an easy reliable source for that kind of recipes to make sure that i know a lot of people are kind of scared about edibles because 
like you said, you're, you're either not feeling it or you're, you're completely laying, laying down and thinking you're going to die or something like that. Like there's no really in betweens. Yeah. Um, and I, I would love to have that kind of product and, um, situation to give to people to have that nice mellow kind of entry into THC and culinary food. Um, because I, I really think that's going to be the future for a lot of, a lot of different aspects of it and a lot of medical practices for it. Correct. hundred percent. And you know what? I'm going to do something better with you. Let's work a project together, uh, a product line that has exclusive to CBD oils. Okay. Uh, different kind of sauces and stuff like that that we could that we could work on together as a team. You know, you be you know half owner, I'll be the other half owner, and this would be a legitimized business, something outside of New York Fire Wings. Hey, New York Fire Blaze. Or what something. you think about that? Hey, we could get some New York. Yeah, we'll Blaze. we'll come up with names and, and all that. That's that's the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easy part. I just I just want to bottle this stuff, put it out. Because this is a market where, yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, it's this is a market where, um, you know, it's it's really positioned to explode. Especially people are talking about making this uh, on a federal level. You know, exactly green light, like clear. So that's the conversations right now. So I want to really time and get ahead of the curve and have something set up uh before it's legal on the federal level at that point is everybody in the market whether they doing oils edibles you know support for companies like that like law firms or uh dispensaries whatever the case is everybody that that has a position in the market is going to experience incredible growth so yeah. if you know a lot about CBD, you're Kappa Sigma, all right? Founding father. I'm Kappa Sigma. Hey. Hey. You know what I'm saying? Hey. Let's, fucking, let's fucking get this shit together and get it on the fucking road, my man. You know, baby. Kappa Sigma for life. For life. <laughs> well, <laughs> but have it any other way. I still remember the days. <laughs> yeah. I still remember. Pledge nights with you yelling at me. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> and, and trust me, my brothers was holding me back. I had a <laughs> hell of a lot more in store for all y'all motherfuckers, man. For real. They held me back, deal. <laughs> Shit. Hey, I, I was, I was they scared. Did, I was scared. They did, I would have flushed out like 90% of y'all. I was gonna have to learn some lessons <laughs> on a one-on-one -on -one camping trip with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. All day, man. Survival yeah, shit. That's that's too easy. That's too bad. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, at the at the end of my shows, I yep. always ask my viewers you for your uh um person to be on the show. So is there any questions that you have of me in particular? Uh, because I take on a lot of uh, mentorship uh, positions and I got the whole thing going on LinkedIn. So, you know, yeah. uh, is there anything that you have a question uh, for? Yeah, I mean, I guess 
I mean, I, I, I admire everything you've done ever, ever since I met you in college, um, everything you've done with the hot sauce company, all this podcast stuff, everything like that. Um, I think something very valuable to anybody watching this or hearing this would be kind of, kind of a little bit of a better understanding of kind of, these um, businesses kind of worked out for you and kind of um, I got, I guess like how you, how you grinded through those like real crappy days and uh, kind of what was your why factor and, and how big was your why factor to keep you going through those days? Yeah, that's powerful. So, you know, my, my why factor is, is two points. One, uh, you know, I, I'm married, uh, coming up on 14 years, I got three kids. And, and uh, so the things that I look at moving forward in life is legacy. Now, money has a certain position. You know, uh, celebrity, if that's what you're trying to chase, has a certain position, but legacy is more. What can you build that you could then take and give to your kids? So their lives and thereafter could be here. So every time I do something, get involved in things, that's what I'm thinking about. It's not for the immediate gratification. It's more about, you know, can I build something of value and, and give it to my kids so they can run with it and grow into something stronger than what I've initially built. And the second point of that is, you know, I'm, I'm from the mud. I'm from the hood. I'm ghetto, like broke, like one parent household dad, wherever he laid his hat was his home type shit, you know? So I seen, and I lived through the, the struggle myself. I grew up watching my mom working double shifts damn near every day, coming back home to sleep just to wake up and do it over again. I've been beyond broke. You know, yep. I I had things and I lost all of it and I had to get it back again. So there comes a point in your life, whether you're you realize that when you're younger or you find your breaking point at an older age and you're like, fuck it. Yep. I don't want to be broke no more. Um, you know, for me personally, it's like a person with all of my creative ideas and my gift to create different businesses. To see other people that is younger or whatever the case is, that is, you know, fulfilling their dreams, that is having those six-figure cars, going on those extended vacations living this certain lifestyle of what you would expect that somebody have tremendous amount of financial success, health success, success. It's like, I want to start to now too. Same time, I understand to, you know, you got to, you got to live, and this is a cliche saying, but it's true. You got to live like most people won't. Yeah. So you can live like most people can't. 
Exactly. So what do that, that means? What do that mean? So that means when you have a group of friends and they going to different countries, they going to different trips, they going to theme park, and going all over the place, and they posting up those pictures on social media. Here you go, you watching it. You know, financially, you can hang with that. But at the same time, after that trip, you're going to be set back down to zero, and you got to work just to get it back up. Uh, you know, the desires to always go to different restaurants, go to, you know, shopping. Oh, my car is uh, a 2014. I'm making enough to afford a, a 2018, 2019. So let me upgrade. You, oh, you, yeah. Because that's where all of your, your free money, that's where all your free money, where it could be going towards a business, is going into all of these expenditures so you gotta live like you gotta scale down so if you're making you know 30 or fifty thousand dollars a year you gotta live like you're making 15 to, to 20 thousand 100 percent see what i'm saying so it's it's a lot of work you know uh you uh you have to have stuff constantly up around you like a vision board you gotta have you know, uh, the thing that you always want in life on your computer. This is the screen products, my first product line. You got to have a reminder of your goal. You got to be surrounded and engulfed with your goals. You got to live, breathe, sleep, dream that shit. So, I 100% agree. And that's why a lot of people that get involved in business don't make it because they don't got that dedication. Yeah, I would definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that and finding that like motivation and finding little videos or anything that you can watch that just pump you up in the morning, gets you through that tough workout or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely attest to that where I wish I learned it a little bit younger. Maybe I would have been a little bit better on certain things or certain aspects. Um, but when I found it, I found it and it, it, it fucking lit a fire under my butt and uh, it definitely pushed me to where I am right mm -hmm. now. 100%. And you're doing big things. Never sleep on your, your work because, right. you know, I for me, I move, so, I move so fast that when I do have quiet time, then I start to really think like, oh shit, I actually, you know, started a company February 27th, 2020 a week before COVID, and now, it, you know, the company is, is bubbling. A lot of people buy my product. Hell you yeah. know, I got uh, Adidas headquarters from Germany buying my stuff. I got customers in Australia, the UK that's buying my stuff. So I'm on Fort Meyer, going to be on Fort Belvoir. You know, Hell. like the heat in this is about to – come on, the hot big. game show. Big. It's getting big. You know, in yeah. seven months. So you start to see like, like, damn, I thank God for, for all of this 100%. and, you know, all of these opportunities and, and stuff like that. So in your case, you know, you, you bust your ass for six plus years consecutively to get to the spot where you're at. You're the number two guy in the kitchen on a fucking team. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's now me and you is going to be doing some fucking business. 
Oh yeah. That'd be unreal. I'd love to. I'd love to get on that brand and get my name a little bit more known. Oh, it will do it for you. Oh yeah. Yeah, so um, that's, you know, I would tell anybody that in a heartbeat, meaning like just have a solid plan, keep yeah. your head down, don't don't fall for the distractions, stay focused. If you said you're yeah. going to do a particular thing, whether it's from the corporate side or whether it's from the entrepreneurship side, stay focused, don't be distracted. Get visual. Start working on your executional skills, you know? Yeah, my Visualize biggest thing, yeah. my biggest thing is it. See, your, see yourself doing it. See yourself getting that hand raised at the end of the round. Um, just just see yourself do it, and I, I promise it's gonna come. It's gonna it's right right around the corner. You just gotta see it and keep pushing for it. Hundred percent, I agree totally. Oh, All right, yeah. so how can this is the last question? So, yep. so uh, how can the viewers get a contact with you? Sure. Um, I mean, contact me on my personal cell phone. It's uh, 413-427-9912. Uh, you can email me at m-s-c-h-a-u-e-r-23 at yahoo.com. Um, I'm very open for any kind of business during the off season, during the regular season, as long as it's not messing with my, my schedule. Um, I'm down to do whatever, help anybody out with consulting, talk to you through any tough days. Uh, I'm huge about, uh, suicide prevention. Um, so if anybody needs any kind of help, any kind of reach out, please, please use me as a resource. Uh, I'm always here for anybody and uh spread the love spread the spread the good food and uh pray for the uh red sox to win a couple more world series in the next couple of years yes chef yes chef of course hey i want to really thank you and you know for your time and for you to come on and bless this uh podcast episode uh you know i know that the viewers are going to learn an incredible amount of information, you know, for pursue culinary arts and then get into the sports side of it from a nutritional standpoint. Yep. So I know they're going to learn a lot from this podcast. So chef, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I appreciate your time and, uh, you know, more blessings to you. And we're going to really connect uh, with this other, other business because I'm all over this product space, man. This shit is incredible. Man, that'd be that'd be amazing, and obviously, thank you so much for having me on this uh, podcast. I it was only a dream to come on to it once you started talking to me about it after a couple of the sauces and stuff like that. Um, so, thank you again for letting me come on here and speak my wisdom that I don't think I really have, but I'd love to give it to anybody that thinks I have it. All right, good deal. All right, chef, safe travels. Thank you. you too, chef. Love you, brother. I'll see you soon. Capacic. All day.